Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for being here and spending, investing time together with God and each other. We are kicking off a new series called Be. And if you have gotten to spend time with me, you know natively my energy is not sitting on a stool and trying to be as calm as possible from stage. I would love to be loud, like I'm cheering for the Lions tonight and tackling you and turn up. And I think they're going to get a W. And, um, but we're here today to remember that we, whether it goes our way or not, whether we get the promotion or not, whether we hit our goals or not, it's already been done. We won because he won. The whole premise of the B series is to understand that we aren't what we do. Now, yet you judge a tree by its fruit, our actions are displays of what's on the inside, and it's not on the outside in that can defile us, it's the inside out, and we cannot make ourselves right with God. We need grace. We all need a savior. We all find ourselves in the same place, dead in sin, saying, God, save me. And he has a rescue plan. All the scripture goes from creation, fall, redemption, restoration, all things new. And in this series, we hope to fan the flame of who you are, be. Now, if I was to ask you what you do for a living, you would tell me. But only you would know on the outside or on the inside of you if that's how you define yourself. And it's hard when the thing we do gets taken away from us. Sometimes that could be a midlife crisis or we find ourselves in whiplash where we're trying to let our souls catch up with our day-to-day. And we do this with our kids, right? What do you want to do when you get older? What do you want to be? Which is such a, uh, it's such a false way to think about it. It's not the origin. It's, we want to focus on who are they? Who are me and you? What are some giftings that you have innate? And if we think about our lives like a car and you pop the hood open and in that car is an engine, all of us have a certain level of horsepower, if you will, some things that God put inside of you. But what he put inside of you, if honed and laid out properly, that your engine can be calibrated for destiny or the engine could blow up and it could be destruction, So it's very important that we know who we are because the devil's going to come in and he's going to come to steal, kill, and destroy, pervert, distort, say here's the wide path and it leads to life, but it leads to death. And how can we do that? Because we have to know who we are. And we recognize that we're children of God, made in his image, set free because of Jesus, empowered with the Holy Spirit to go witness to the world that our bodies are temples. It calibrates us and reminds us that we flow from identity, human beings, not human doings. Now, you might have already dismissed some of this because you're hardwired to action. Well, by all means. That's why I said I relate. It's not, it's not my native thing to say, let's just soak all day. But, but it is important because I could be doing actions and the Lord could not be in it. And we're going to look at a famous story of that out of Luke chapter 10, Verses 38 through 42 of Mary and Martha. 
God loves hard work. A person who doesn't work doesn't eat. Scriptures teach us, it says, uh, don't be lazy. Consider the ant's ways. There is much to getting stuff done. And everyone who's like that in the church said, amen. Take out the trash, kids. But we can do the stuff, and God could not be in it. So I pray during this time that we would calibrate our lives. And to kick off this series, we're going to go to Psalm 46. God is our fortress. Now, Israel nation is being threatened. There is much uh, attack that's happening physically, politically, and this psalm is written in that context. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. The mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold, the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. Life has a way of humbling us all. Whether that's loss, pain, seasonal change, emotional volatility, anxiety, never-ending to-do list. Yet the scriptures remind us often that we are not God. And that's good news, friends. God isn't on our timeline. He's not on our pace. His ways are higher. And we posture ourselves as followers to be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. God created everything. Sometimes I like to create. I like to create music. You got to see a little video intro uh, during the Ways to Give of the song We Alive, which was many people, and I was honored to be a part of that song, and we created something new, a song that hadn't existed prior. But I have not created ultimate things. I have not created expanse, heavens, a planet, waters, salvation. I am not God. You are not God, though we have been made in God's image to create. God, when he created everything, being everything, he, on the seventh day, rested. <laughs> and one of the disciplines of Sabbathing is to remind us that God rested, and he's given us a gift to rest, and we flow from rest. And in Jesus, rest is available 24-7, which can seem, yeah, right, you don't get it. Are you sure? 
Because in the hook it says, when life hits hard like one, two, we're gonna rise and shine like the sun do. Because life will hit for all of us. And one of the mistakes we can make is to think that your story's harder than the person on the left or the right. It's just not true. Each one of us need God. We need God to provide Emmanuel with us day to day. And one of the prayers we created to remind us to be is to think through if you were going to stop and Sabbath, we're going to read it on the screen. God is good. It is good. I am good. God is enough. It is enough. I am enough. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know that I. Be still and know that. Be still and know. Be still and. Be still. Be. And that be still and know that I am God prayer is from practicing the way. And the first, God is good, is just something that was cooked up from me thinking through, okay, wait, what is ultimate? Wait, God is good. He created everything and he saw that it is good. When I'm in him, I am good, which is so hard to believe. Of course, I'm not good. Only God is good. But this reminds me I'm not defined by what I've accomplished or not accomplished. Has anyone ever completed all of their goals they want to in life did you finish all of your projects at home? Did you? No. Why do we feel like there's just more? Why is more screaming in us all the time? Is God the God of just more? No, he's more than enough. So God is enough. Therefore, it is enough. Therefore, I am enough. And it has a way to speak to us when you can just look at that project half finished. <laughs> oh. It's not easy. Sometimes you just got to look at it half finished and say, thank you, God. You're God. And Jesus, he teaches us to be in John chapter 15, verses 4 through 6. It says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, do, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Abide means to remain, to stay, or to make yourself home in Jesus. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. So how we define fruit and how we define success is very important. And it continues, for apart from me, you can do nothing. This is always Mike dropped me whenever I read this passage. Imagine whatever you did this week. It was nothing if you weren't abiding. Now, don't take that as pressure. Take that as more of an invitation of passion to calibrate that the, that the source of life, that Jesus is the taproot to our life, the center of our lives, the cornerstone to our lives, and everything else grows uh, off of him, and then it, fruit is a natural byproduct of spending time with him, fruit of the spirit, of course. But apart from him, you can do nothing. No, nothing. Verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, here's the contrast to that, is thrown in, 
away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. That is a sobering exercise I try to do, is think through my life, what I'm working on, and whether or not I will stand there in the day of judgment or when uh, the, the rewards, if you will, for what we have done, of what would last, what wouldn't last, and then you're finding all these things that's just getting pitched into the fire, like, no, what's that? Now, how, how, could, how could we apply that day to day? Do you struggle with throwing something away that holds on radical value of maybe in your life? That could, could be awesome, but it could also be collecting dust for about 40 decades. You're like, no, but it's mine, you know? But is it of the Lord? I don't, only you know that. When you spend time with God and ask him, and only he knows that ultimately, right? So it helps me. It doesn't feel like a bondage to do that. It's just kind of like lets me let go, you know, and say, oh, I don't want that to rule me. I want to rule it. But then the very things that were meant to bless us then start to become a stressing. They control us. Practical example is this phone that was meant to call and text people. And then therefore we find ourselves sedated and just constantly scrolling. Now, there's freedom in an invitation if you find yourself in those moments. Look, God's not saying shame on you. He's more saying, come here, come with me. There's a better way. So that's the introduction to the B series. And today's message is titled this, Be With Jesus. That's what we all get an invitation to do today. Story out of Luke 10. Picking it up from verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. I thought serving's a good thing. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Well, you might already read ahead. You might already know this story, but if I was thinking, stay tuned, come back next week, what does the Lord say? He surely will check Mary for not helping the sister and make sure she needs to go serve because that's a fair request. And as a parent of more than one child, this plays out often. Why isn't the other sibling helping me? Dad, go tell them now that I should not serve alone. And I, oh, or not. So Jesus, being uh, just has a way of countercultural, reminding us of what matters most, like no other. Uh, verse 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. Anytime you see in scripture, there's a repeat that would be equivalent today of maybe uh, think of a neon sign flashing or an LED screen or bold or hyperbolized in such a way. It's like attention, 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 or uh, police, you know, sirens behind you and the lights are ambulance. And this is trying to get our attention. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled by many things. 
but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Wow. Now, there are so many good things that we get to go serve. It could be we're going to host people to come over to our house. It could be you bought a house and now you want to renovate it. It could be as glorious as you're getting ready for a wedding. It could be planning for some music project that God put in your heart or to write a book and you're getting ready or you're going on a trip and a vacation. But I think in all those examples, we can pull back from our memory bank of when it didn't feel like a vacation. It didn't feel like a home project that we were renovating. It didn't feel like we were hosting somebody, and it sure didn't feel like a wedding, and it definitely didn't feel like some destiny dream, a book we were going to write or a song we were going to make. It felt like stress and anxiety, and thank God we got through it. This is hard to do. How do you do the stuff with the right fragrance, the heartbeat of heaven, with love? So action isn't enough, and we want to calibrate our lives. And I have seen this play out, whether when we built a duplex, you, you just all you can think about is everything that's in Home Depot. And this is why I know that we need to take our spiritual lives and our personal time and our relationship with God more serious, because people that never knew how to do any projects get a house and become prolific at DIY. So it's really just a passion issue. And then we become busybodies preparing for parties. And we need to then say, okay, I don't, this is not a good gift anymore. And we're dragging people along. We got to get it done. Yeah, of course. Work hard. Play hard. Rest hard. Well, let's remember why. So here is Jesus saying, Mary chose what is necessary, the one thing, well, who is Jesus? How is he able to claim that? Of course, we're here on a Sunday because we believe Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Lord. But let's just let the scriptures speak to us of who Jesus is. After Jesus rose from the dead, in Luke 24 records, as individuals uh, on the road to Emmaus, picking it up from verse 25, he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures and the things concerning himself. All of the scriptures. Jesus is now opening a Bible study from Moses to all of the prophets, Isaiah, and teaching us from Malachi and just constantly going time and time. Look, 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 look. This is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Colossians 1 paints a picture of why we would want to learn from Jesus. Who in the world is Jesus to ask of our lives, to ask of our attention and our affections? Who is he? Well, he's the preeminent one. Verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. 
For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is who Jesus is. And then Jesus, he gives us this invitation to not be ruled by the day-to-day of what we do, to not be ruled by the Babylonian way. Does God care about, uh, you know, three shifts, no days off? Of course, let my people go. Moses, people of Israel, under the rule and slavery of Egypt, Exodus, that he leads his people into a new place. He's always trying to lead us into a new place. Well, look at how the message puts in one of the things that Jesus says out of Matthew 11, verse 28. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Be with Jesus. Be with Jesus. Be with Jesus. So let's go back to that story and read it again. Luke chapter 10. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. But Martha was distracted by with much serving, and she went up to him and said, now, it is important to know it's customary to host and serve a guest And Jesus is so countercultural, he's entering a woman's house, and he's coming near and close, and so he's breaking rules and boundaries, but he has, he's, that's what he's constantly doing is finding those that are forgotten, those that are marginalized, and he is bringing uh, redemption, reconciliation, and ultimately looking to bring restoration in their life. And so Jesus has a way of seeing and loving, and of course he cares about the holistic environment, and I could only imagine if they both would have positioned themselves at Jesus' feet to listen and learn, that they all would have then went and served in the kitchen. So the question now, Martha says to Jesus, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone. Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. One thing. One thing. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. I want to give us four things that could help today, I pray. Number one, order and posture matters in the midst of to-dos. Choose posture with Jesus to posture ourselves to learn and listen to him first and say, why am I doing this? Isn't that important? Why are we preaching today? We believe it's the word of God and faith comes by hearing. That leads to action. That we remember that because of Christ's finished work on the cross that we can now go do good works. And people would see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. 
but we're not defined by what we do. We plant and we water, and we know God has to make it grow. Whether we accomplish all of our goals or not, we're not defined by that. We're defined by our audience of one, Galatians 1.10. We're not people-pleasing. We already are flowing from as one approved, not trying to gain approval. Now, if you felt abandoned in your life, if you had leaders or bosses that were heavy-handed or always demanding, then sometimes we build a complex of inferiority or imposter syndrome, uh, or sometimes we then just become out of survival like everybody around us, but that is not who we are. Who we are is we are children of God, and we need to remember why we're doing stuff, and then ultimately, who am I doing it for? Order and posture matters in the midst of to-dos. Even in big moments, I've had some coaches tell me, I remember when the church launched, they, my pastor said, hey, stop for a moment, look out in the crowd of what God allows you to do. You gotta just take it in. Number two, choose worship. This parable, this story, if you were to put it side by side with the Good Samaritan where the person's beaten and left for dead on the side of the road and the religious leader walks past him, but the Good Samaritan, the unlikely hero in the story, then helps take him to an inn, charges it to himself, says, I'll come back. That story is all about loving your neighbor as yourself. And this story, though, is all about the great commandment recorded in Matthew 22. Look at verse 36 as we choose worship. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Order matters. Step-by-step matters. We choose worship because we love God who first loved us. The work is done. We worship the one who won. Number three, we choose. Anytime there's a person in the room, and I'm so grateful for the moments that I've gotten reminded of this, but we choose people over performance. As a dad at the games, I've had uh, one time a parent, I go, how do you not want to just get on the court and make sure your kid's hitting all the jump shots? Or, and and I, I, I am not like a pacifist, if you will. I don't believe in inaction. I, I think we should be involved and we should leave it all on the field, if you will, and we should be in the arena. But there is a difference when, if I'm driving home with my kid and I'm just telling them every single thing they could have done when the likelihood that we're gonna go pro in that particular sport is very, very, very small. Even if, it, even if they were talented, if I was just to look at it from a data-driven decision. So one of the coaching I got from a parent one time, I go, how do you deal with when, you know, your kid might be kicking the soccer ball the opposite way on the field at times? What do you do? And they said, choose people over task. Be their biggest fan, not their coach. Let the coach coach. And now if you're the coach, then coach, you know? And that's not easy said to do. Like my kids might be listening to this and be like, dad, you still tell us. Well, yeah, well, you need to know what basket to shoot on too. I do think at some level we need to figure that one out, you know? But it's like, oh man, like how you do that? So if I'm in the room and there's a bunch of tasks to do, even to get the sound ready today, get the coffee ready, get all the stuff ready. Choose a person over the performance. Even when they're on the worship team, if someone's, you know, uh, had a tough week, they'll, they'll stop and talk to each other. 
And it doesn't mean that the whole time it's just with, that we're uh, just hugging and holding and listening. No, it's just like from that place, we, do, we decide to do it together. And it, it just changes the flow. So what we're doing is, is, is important, but who we're doing it for, why we're doing it. And ultimately, it's about God and people. You know, there's only two things that are going to last forever. Like two things for sure. God is going to last forever. And people are going to last forever. Now, people are either going to last forever with God or apart from God. And God gave one, one way to repair the gap that sin has caused for us with God. We cannot give back to God. So God got to us. You know, many people will say religions are just like, uh, you know, we're all just looking at a different side of the mountain. And, you know, we're seeing God differently. And I would beg to differ. Jesus, if you're comparing all religions, every religion talks about how we get up the mountain or what's the rituals or what's the religious exercise or what's the tradition or what's the serving to-do list that we need to do. And then here's how we get to God. But one religion stands alone from a God who left the mountaintop, the preeminent one in all of his glory, who became one of us and came down and he found me dead in sin and he came to bring new life to me that in my best day, it's, it's like filthy rags to the Lord, but yet he will give me his very best. He'll clothe me in righteousness. He'll clothe me in his finished completion that he died for on the cross. Perfect, spotless sacrifice. Jesus Christ himself hung on a cross, took the punishment for all of sin, and then he rose from the dead because death is not the final verdict over our life anymore. He's worthy to listen and learn from. He's worthy to change our lives. So number four, there's only one thing that's necessary. Choose to be with Jesus. I don't have time to go into the rest of it. But maybe this week, if you want some homework, I know you're all looking for an extra thing to do. But this is a fun one. I want you to create a not-to-do list. What are you doing that God doesn't want you to do? Is freedom? B. You just let it go. And then how to learn from Jesus? Well, obviously the scriptures. And you'll learn so much no matter what situation you're in. Be like, okay, Jesus, how do I, how do I learn from you? Well, he, he teaches us about forgiveness. He teaches us about self-love. He teaches us about grace. He teaches us about works. He teaches us about service. He teaches us about Sabbath. He teaches us about redemption of humans. So here's the last question that I would hope we, and when we think of in worship, how do I be with Jesus today? And you might be here and say, well, where is Jesus in my life? Which is a fair question. Where's he at? Because in your situation, I don't know what storm you're in, but I have one example that when I was asked this question, it changed my whole posture. And I was, uh, if you know some of my story, you know that in the last couple years, I've had some like ear issues. And I was born with this condition called otosclerosis because I'm sick of answering the question, is it from music? It's not. So if I can use this platform to serve my life, it is self-serving in this moment. But it was not from music. 
It's either from well water or measles or hereditary, you're just kind of born with it. So I had a couple surgeries in each ear and I can hear better, near 100%, it's quite miraculous. But in one of the seasons when I couldn't hear that well and the ringing was also really loud, which is a separate thing, and then vertigo was coming. And anyone who's ever dealt with vertigo, you know how challenging and crippling that is. And I remember being on a work day uh, and was in my office laying on the couch and I had a coaching call with my pastor. And he was reading my report of my life that I just kind of, hey, I want to be seen, I want to be known, and just talked about just suffering in that particular moment. And sometimes there's that guy that says, suck it up, you need to just push through. But I just couldn't push through in this moment. And he goes, one thing I know is this, God could heal you in a moment. God could choose to heal you later through doctors or eventually when you're home with him. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I want you to ask the question, Jesus, where are you at and what are you teaching me in this moment? Oh, and I just started crying because I thought, oh, you know what I felt like in that moment? I'm with you and I care. And that mattered. I'm with you and I care. So where are you at? What couch are you on? What condition are you facing? Will you take a moment and just say, Jesus, where are you at in my life? What do I need to learn? I want to let go and I want to give you full control. I want to be. that only you can provide. We belong to Jesus. Wherever you're at today, I pray as we close and we sing this song that it would minister to your soul to know that God is with you right here, right now, as you be His and with Him. to the City Life Lansing podcast, loving you and loving the city one life at a time. To get connected, learn more, and invest financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.